Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please have your seat. Amen and amen. I said something to them in the first service. I'll say it to you as in the of passing. Bishop Oedipo said something. He said two things that is plaguing our generation is laziness and pride. Guard your heart against it. You cannot afford to be lazy when it comes to your life and the things of the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? There's nothing as horrible as spiritual laziness. Well, you are lazy to pray. You're lazy to read the word. You're lazy to listen to the word. You're lazy to do anything that will advance your spiritual progress. Guard your heart against that, all right? And number two, guard your heart against pride. Once you notice you're becoming too self-conscious, self-aware, everything is you, 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 then you know that pride is encroaching and is taking dominion over your mind. Is that clear? All right. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, turn your Bible to the book of Matthew. There's something I want to say. We'll continue from where we stopped about the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you here? If you're here, say amen. Matthew 22 and verse 29. We're looking at demonstrating the power of God. Everybody say demonstrating the power of God. I didn't hear you say demonstrating the power of God. The reason you and I are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost is so that God's power will be resident in you and I and demonstrated through us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason you are saved, you are now born again, is so that God's power will be resident in us and demonstrated through us. We are not born again to be inactive when it comes to power. We're born again to be active in power. So as a child of God, you cannot afford to go on vacation when it comes to power. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Because if you don't operate in power, you will become submissive and affected by the prevailing powers. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. You belong to the ultimate, the almighty power of God. But if you do not function in your zone, then you are by default admitting that you will be influenced by the inferior 
power players. And, and let's, be, let, let's, be, let's be honest. Many of the testimonies or the words of Christians concerning the struggles and issues they are going through is evident that inferior power players are playing in their life. That's the truth. Because when you do not activate what you carry, then what is supposed to serve you will begin to have a voice in your life. So let's look at what Paul, Jesus said. Matthew 22, 29. What did he say? Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. You are mistaken. The word mistaken there in the Greek means to err. To err means to get into error. What is error? Error is something that is not meant to be. It's something that is an abomination. It's not the due order. It is not the proper order. When something is in error, it means something that is not, that is not supposed to be in charge is in charge. That's an error. Why is it an error? That's not the way it's supposed to be. Can I say this to you? It is, you are not supposed to be oppressed. It's an error for you to be oppressed. It's an error for the enemy to have a say or an advantage over you. It's an error because it's not supposed to be. Jesus said, you are mistaken. Why? Because you don't know the scripture nor the power. There is an inseparable connection between the scripture and the power of God. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 says, for the word of God is what? is quick or full of life and what? Powerful. There is an inseparable connection between the scriptures and the power of God. But Jesus is saying, you are going to be led astray as another Greek meaning of the word error or to err. You are going to be led astray. You're going to be mistaken because you don't know the scripture or the power of God. In the first service, I said something that is very important. I said the real threat is not Satan, demons, and the operation of darkness. They are not the real threat. The reason is because Jesus defeated them. Through redemption, the Bible said he destroyed Satan or brought his reign to an end. But the real threat for the born-again believer is ignorance. My people are destroyed for what? Talk to me, somebody. My people are destroyed for what? I'm not hearing everybody. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of what? Knowledge. Lack of knowledge. So when you don't know, your threat level is high. Because you run the risk of being oppressed by Satan. Heaven does not legally approve. But you see, whatever God wills for your life, if you don't will it through knowledge, it won't speak. Even though God has given you the advantage in Christ, if you do not will it with what you know, you will suffer in the midst of plenty. The real threat is ignorance. The real threat is what? You will always be a victim of what you don't know. You will always run the risk of being oppressed. That's when people come to church and they don't take time to settle down 
and get the word of God, they are escalating their threat level. Are you hearing me? Look at what Jesus said. You are mistaken not knowing the scripture. Not knowing is ignorance. Ignorance of what? The scripture. Or not the power. So when you are ignorant of scripture, you know what you do? Your ignorance mentality will limit the flow of power in your life. It will. You will be making room, accommodating satanic oppression and nonsense because of the way you are thinking. Your, your mindset is being dominated by ignorance. And as a result, the power of God is not giving its place to function and manifest in your life. Ignorance. We read from, uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we have been made. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5, everybody. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. If there's an error you cannot afford to be ignorant, is the knowledge of Scripture and the power of God. Power is knowledge dependent. What did I say? The flow of power is knowledge dependent. The flow of power. You know, people say knowledge is power. That is very true. But the flow of power is also knowledge dependent. You cannot manifest what you don't know. You cannot manifest that. You cannot man. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5. Are we there? What does the Bible say? Not that we are sufficient to think anything as of ourselves. Is that not so? Huh? But our sufficiency is from who? It's from God. If you are going to flow and manifest the power that has been made available to you, you need to know that your sufficiency is not in yourself, but God. The word sufficiency means competency, qualification, fitness. Your fitness is in God, not in yourself. So how you think with regards to you matters a lot. Many are unfit today because of how they think. How do they think? Their thinking is ignorant of the scripture and of the power of God. And as a result, they are unfit. How you think will determine the fitness of your manifestation. It says, we are not sufficient to think. So the subject or the emphasis there is think of anything as from ourselves. But our sufficiency, our qualification, our fitness is from who? Is from God. Because that's our source. Go to the next verse. Then he says this. In order for us to manifest his sufficiency, he did something to us. In order for you and I to manifest the sufficiency of God. Since our source in him is him. You know, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So our ability to do is dependent on him, not ourselves. That's how you should think. My ability to perform, my ability to manifest, my ability to display is based on him. Now, in order for us to do all things through him, he did something to us. He said, who also made us? 
That word made, it's an action that has been completed. It's an action that has been done. When you say made, it means it's already done. Is that not true? If it's in the process of being done, you say make. Is that not so? But when you say made, it means it has been completed. So in the eyes of God, in Christ, you and I have been made sufficient as minister. The word sufficient means he has made us competent. Our competency is based on the fact that we are ministers of what? The new covenant. What is your competency based on? That I am what? I am a minister of the new covenant. Say that three times. One more time. And the Bible calls the minister of the new covenant as the minister of life. You are called to minister life. Remember John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I have come that you may have what? Have life. To have life means to be born again. When you're born again, you've been recreated by the life of God. Then to have it in what? Abundance. Meaning you are not just to be born again with the life. You are to reign or live by that life. And in order for us to reign and live by that life, we have been made ministers of the new covenant. Ministers of life. And I said to be a minister of the new covenant is to be a minister of the spirit and of what? The power. Everybody said the spirit, spirit and the power. And how do we do that? We demonstrate the spirit and the power. And I said we do that through preaching the gospel. Is that not so? We do that through what? Preaching the gospel. We do that through healing the sick. We do that through what? Casting out devils. Is that it? We do that through living by and demonstrating the power of Almighty God. Say amen. I'm going to say a good amen. amen. Are you still here with me? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We are ministers of the same spirit and power that Jesus carried. Same spirit. The same spirit that was responsible for the exploit that Jesus demonstrated. Brothers and sisters, we carry the same spirit. You need to know this or you will err. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I told you there are three limitations to the threat of ignorance. When you are ignorant, there are three limitations that will play in your life. Human limitation, situational limitation, and what? Demonic limitations. Are you hearing me? They will always play around. It is when you don't know the threat of witches will threaten you. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Some of you, all it takes to mess your faith up is just one bad dream. Just one bad dream. Just all it takes is one. In the dream, somebody took cutlass and cut off your leg. That's all it takes to mess you up big time. Then the first thing we've been trying to make you fast in church, you will, not, you will fast it. You won't even do your own dry. You're not motivated by fear because you don't know who you are. What will stir you up? You now live what they call a reactionary Christian life. You only react because you feel threatened. Instead of you to live 
from your place of advantage, you are not living a reactionary Christian life. You only fast and pray when you sense a threat coming. That shows you're not, you're not functioning as you should. When you are ignorant, human threat will always be a problem for you. In fact, the time they will see you becoming very serious in church is when either somebody is threatening your job in the office that they will sack you if you don't do certain things. Or do you hear that there are compiling lists of people in, in the office that they may lose their job. Then all of a sudden, we start seeing you on Friday. We start seeing you on Wednesday. We start seeing you on Sunday. We start seeing you do prayer meeting. Anytime you do your holiday. And when you're praying, your gesticulation is on high gear. Why? Because of human threat. That's your problem. So you're not living from a place of advantage. You're living from a reactionary place. It's when your job is threatened. When your business is threatened, that's when you're not so sick that you have not missed since. Because you are threatened by people. Human, demonic, and situational limitation will always threaten the ignorant. Did you see the way Jesus lived? The way he lived is so that you and I can live the same way. Are you hearing me? We're going to get into that. As ministers of the spirit and power, we are hey. We are commanders. Are you hearing me? We are what? We are commanders of his life. As ministers of the spirit, we are not beggars. We are overcomers. Are you hearing me? We are called more than conquerors. We are the one. We don't play the game. We are the game. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan doesn't run this thing. We know we are the one in charge. Have you not read? Whatsoever is born of God overcomes. We overcome by the manifestation of the spirit and power. That's why, listen, our boast is not in ourselves. Our boast is in our sufficiency who is God. Are you hearing me? And that word God that refers to the Godhead, the Spirit of God. Our sufficiency is God, the Holy Ghost. When you know your base and you know your stand, you take your place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you know your base, you know your stand, what do you do? You take your place. You function as made, not as trying to make. We are not saved to prove a point to Satan. We have already proven the point in Christ. Our job is to enforce what Christ has assigned us to do. Many of our prayer requests is from a point of reaction. That's why you only, your prayer will just show that your enemy is taking the, is, is, has the advantage over you. You are not speaking from a place of dominion. You are speaking from a reactionary point of fear. You were sleeping under somebody and that took his hand inside your eye. Hey, blood of Jesus, I rebuke blindness. What's wrong with you? Fear is just dominating your life. That's all. Fear. Just you're afraid. All it takes to move you is one bad news. Just one small bad report. Just small bad report. Or somebody you know just hear that is sick. Then all kinds of things will just be going on in your head. Instead of you to function, you are the made in Christ. You are not trying to be. You already are. You are made to function as sufficient of God. His power has been made available to you. That's why Paul says, even in my weakness, 
and in my trembling. He says, my speech were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. That's why the Holy Ghost came into our life. He said you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The average Christian is not power-minded but weakness-minded. Or not power-minded. Because if you are power-minded, the way you function will be different. The way you speak will be different. The way many of us behave as if the power of God is in Calabar and you are in Lagos. And so for the power to flow, you have to enter transport and go to Calabar and go and collect it and come back. No! You were born again to be the housing of his power. You were born again to house and display his power. Look at your neighbor and say, I am strong in him. This is not about us. This is about what he has made us to be in him. And if you don't know what you are made to be, you will always err when it comes to the power of God and the scriptures in your life. You will err. You will become a victim of human limitation, satanic limitation, and situational limitation. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Lord. Alright, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, he said, I determine not to know anything among you. Is that not so? Brethren, I came not... Okay, let, let's... Wait, wait, what verse? Verse 1. He said, for I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Listen to me. You cannot listen, and then listen to this. You cannot proclaim, display, manifest the things of God by the flesh. When he uses the word excellency of speech, means you are depending on your ability to present God. It's your, your ability cannot communicate God. The ability to communicate God is the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me? Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? My ability cannot communicate God. My ability cannot minister God. So Paul says, I, you need to understand. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech. It wasn't about oratory. It wasn't about having the right grammar, having the right tenses, having the right English. You know, that, that, that's not what it is. It says, declaring to you the testimony of God. What is the testimony of God? The testimony of God simply refers to the things that God has made us to be that he wants you and I to walk in. Did you hear what I said? The testimonies of God are what? What he has made us to be that he wants you and I to live and walk in. That's his testimony. Because testimony is the product or the harvest of what Christ has accomplished for us in him. So go to verse 2. It says, For I determine not to know anything among you, because your testimony of who you are in God has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your experience. It has nothing to do with your connection. It has nothing to do with your natural state. It says, For I determine not to know anything among you. Why? Because your testimony is not with you. Your testimony is in Christ. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at the neighbor say, my testimony is in Christ. Where is your testimony? Where is your testimony? That's why Satan doesn't want you to focus on Jesus. Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because my testimony is what? It's in him. In him, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In him, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Are you hearing me? In him, I am an overcomer that overcomes the world through faith. Are you hearing me? In him, I am more than a conqueror because that's where the power is. Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. And so Paul says, if I come to you, I'm not interested in knowing anything about you. And, and have you noticed that whenever we focus on we, we get depressed? Have you noticed that? Because there's no testimony in you. There's no testimony in what you're going through. The victory is not talking about where you are. The victory is focusing about who you are in him. That's where your source is. That's where your power is. That's what your advantage is. So let's take, for instance, you have a financial issue. The testimony of God in the midst of your financial crisis is not to tell you, oh boy, things are very hard. Though. Things are very, very hard. Can you imagine me saying, I don't even get 5K for account? If I owe 5K, last time I go bank, if you see the queue, and I only just 2K, I won't go collect. So you'll be telling people that you killed in the line because you want to collect 2K since money. Say, and even the 2K safe, I don't see them. They don't give me. Then you, you, you go on and on. You're not talking about what's going on. You know what you're doing? You're pressing the wrong button. Your testimony in finance is that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My testimony is in the fact that the Bible says, it said, take no thought concerning what you will eat, what you will hear. For after all these things do the nations longer for. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added unto you. That's the testimony of God. So Paul says, I didn't come to know anything among you. Some of you, the reason you want to focus on you is because you want to generate sympathy. Because people who do that feel that they are looking to men as their source. Your testimony is not in men. Did you hear what I said? It's not even in your employer. It's not even in the person that is helping you. Your let, let me show you something that will shock you. Go to the book of um, Isaiah. Those who determine to know things among them or among men. Let me show you what happened. Go to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. This is very important. Isaiah chapter 30, I believe, or 31. Are you ready for this? Let me tell you what happens to people who make men their testimony. Are you there? Are you there? Isaiah chapter 30. Then we'll go to 31. From Isaiah chapter 30 from verse 1. Those who look up to men as their testimony cannot experience the demonstration of the spirit and the power. Hear me. 
the power of God is knowledge-based. Jesus said, you err or you mistake not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. So what you know influences how you think and how you think determines how you cooperate with the power. There is what I call power thinking. Power thinking is a mindset that is focused on the testimonies of God. Do you understand that? Power thinking is what? It's a mindset that is focused on what? The testimonies of God. When your mind is occupied by your issues, you are not in power mode. You are submitting yourself to the situation. But when your mind is in power mode, it is focused on the testimonies of God concerning the things you've been made to become in Christ because that's where your advantage is. That's what answers. That's where power flows. Look at verse 1. These are people who make men their testimony. They make their effort their testimony. Let's read. It says, woe to the rebellious children. Hold on, hold on. Those two words, rebellious, these people are God's children. But they are what? Rebellious. Why are they rebellious? They've adopted a are you hearing what I'm saying? They've adopted a way of thinking that is against God's way. What did he say? Everybody, everybody, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? What did he say? Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel not but not of me, and who devise plan but not of my spirit. In other words, they ignore my spirit. They trust more in their human intelligence. Look at verse 2. What did they do? That they may add sin to sin. Who go down where? To Egypt. What is Egypt? The world system. The natural ways. What do they do in Egypt? And have not asked my are you looking at the screen everybody look at the screen look at the screen and who what is it who walked to go down to egypt and have not asked my advice my what my that means they, they don't want to listen to what i want to say they are not interested in my testimony they're interested in what they want to strengthen themselves in what in the strength what is strength the strength of pharaoh is the strength of the system of this world the strength of their job, the strength of their business, the strength of their human connection. Watch this. And to trust in what? Uh, come on, I read now. What is there? To trust in what? Egypt is the system of the world. The strength of Pharaoh is the ability of the system of the world. Many of you have more dedication to your job you have more dedication to your business. You have more dedication to your work than you are to God because you believe that's what is giving you the advantage. That's all. So the seriousness with which you do your private job, you don't attach the same to God. Read the next verse. Look what will happen. Everybody read it. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be, shall be your shame. And the trust in the shadow or the ability of Egypt 
will become your what? Emulation. Because there is no testimony outside Christ. Go to chapter 31, everybody. Go to chapter 31 of the same book of Isaiah. Isaiah 31. Are you there? Isaiah 31. Somebody say glory be to God. Isaiah 31, verse 1. Isaiah 31, verse 1 and verse 3. Isaiah 31. These, I'm reading you a picture of believers who do not look to the testimony of God, but to themselves. They look to their ability. They look to their... They just believe because they have some advantage, it will be well with them. That means your mind is being programmed wrongly. Look at verse 1. Let's read it. What did he say, everybody? Verse 1. What to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely... What are horses? Horses means abilities. Who trust in chariots because they are many? They trust in men. And in horsemen, because they are very strong. But what? But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord? Go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. What did verse 3 say? Now, the Egyptians are men, and not God. Your boss is a man, and it's not God. And their horses, whatever they have to give you, are flesh and not spirit. When, listen, when the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and he who is being helped will fall together. They will all perish. That's why it is risky to ignore God. Did you hear what I said? It is what? It is risky to ignore God. To treat God like a second place is very risky. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse one, two. 2. Paul says, for I determine not to know anything. Why? Because anything outside of Christ will end in shame. It will end in mockery. Anything outside Christ. You know, I, I, I've been around a little bit to know this. When you have Christians who play take God's word for granted. They, 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 behave, they, they behave this false spiritual maturity of thinking they know. In fact, for you to even think you know, it just shows, number one, you are not mature, and number two, Satan is setting you up for the pride of knowledge. They do not treat God's word with that tenderness and that hunger and that readiness to receive. They don't. The word of God is just trivialized, casualized, and just put there. They can spend hours on personal interests, but they cannot spend two hours to listen to the word. They can't. Two hours, they can't. And yet they want God to be their help. They can't. All these little, little things are what counts and end up sabotaging us at the end of the day. Because the Bible says, be not be deceived, God is not mock. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
When you begin to ignore the word of God, you keep sowing that seed, sowing that seed, all the wisdom you need to function, you'll be missing them. When you will need that wisdom, because you've always been avoiding and avoiding, you don't pray when you should pray, you don't listen to the word when you should listen to the word, you don't take in the word, then a time will come when you need an answer and you've ignored the answer so long that you have nothing to answer with. Paul said, I determined, go back to that scripture, First Corinthians chapter 2, I determined to know nothing among you. Hallelujah. Except Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that's what the testimony of God is. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Verse 4. And my speech, my words and preaching were not what? With persuasive words of human wisdom. Because the source of the impact is not in the English. It's not in the grammar. It's not in the skillfulness of combining words together. It, it may be grammatically nice, but if it's got no power, if it has no spirit influence, it is meaningless in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is meaningless in the spirit. He said, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but what? In the show in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand or should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God because your testimony is in the power of God your testimony is what is in the power of God so when we focus on the testimony we are focusing on the power Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So I said this, our impact, say my impact, my impact. as a minister of the spirit and power is not in my fitness, but by the spirit. By the spirit. That's why when you wake up every morning, one of the first person you should talk to is the Holy Ghost. Don't treat the Holy Ghost like an unwanted guest, like you treat somebody that comes to you your house. Go, go, go. Hey, ah, you come? Of course he came. That's why he's there. Eh, okay. Well done, do. How you doing? Alright, when will you be going? You never sit down. That means you are not welcome. And if we treat the Holy Spirit that, we're not going to function in power. We're not. We're not. Our impact as ministers of the Spirit and power is not on our qualification, of fitness, but by the Spirit. Even when you feel inadequate, Paul says, in my fear, trembling among you, he says, you guys knew that the words I spoke were not from persuasive words of man's wisdom, or human wisdom, but in the show or the demonstration of the Spirit and power. All right? So we must realize that even in our inadequacies, in our weakness, we must always remember that our impact is a product of the Holy Spirit alone. Did you hear what I said? See, when you are, you are not depending on your ability to affect men, 
you are depending on the ability of the Holy Spirit to affect men through you. Are you hearing me? See, when, when you are trying to get to be noticed, some of you know what it's like. You are trying to get the attention of somebody because somebody tells you that this person will help you blow. Then you now plan and plan and plan and plan and plan. You will do everything. Let, let me give you a testimony I used to share. It was a cassette tape man's parade listened to in the 80s. There was a guy during the military administration, military administration where they were, each state was being ruled by, see, military administrators, they call it good. Now, this was in Lagos. This was a guy, a believer guy. It was Victor Deemi that gave the testimony because that was his, the message he was preaching. This guy met the governor in a function, one of the military governors in a function, and the governor said, come and see me. I have something for you. He said, okay, no problem. Come and see me the next two or three days. Six months, the guy could not see the, doc, the governor. He now found out that there is a government behind the, the government. He will come and do everything he can to see the governor. They will frustrate him. You know, they'll say, wait, he's coming. He's in a meeting. Why you say he's in a meeting? As you are sitting inside the office, you will just see him driving away in the car. And meanwhile, they told you that he was in a meeting. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? Has he ever happened to you before? He did everything. What he now noticed, according to his story, was that for over a period of six months, please pay attention to this, he now noticed he didn't pray anymore. When he wakes up in the morning, he's scheming how to see the governor. How many of you can relate? Yeah, please. Maybe I don't go early. Since I go by six, I'll go by five. Then you will not go there when nobody is there. And you will not wait to you see nothing. You not say, okay, I'll go by four. Then you will go in one day, one person will arrest you, say, where are you coming from? Then you now go to police station. Before they will release you, he has left the office. You now go back again. You will try another one. You do, 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 do. You, nothing will pass. You will not, you, and meanwhile, you are in the same neighborhood, though. six months you will not be able to see him. He said he now noticed that he started struggling spiritually, that he doesn't pray, he doesn't read the Bible anymore. Even when he's listening to a message, he's not, he's not focused. His mind is, how can I see this man? Because if I see this man, it don't happen. The more he labored in his strength, the more what he was looking for was getting farther and farther away. So one day, that morning, he said he just got upset. He said, contract, get out. I'm not interested in God. I have given too much to chase this. And he said to God, I am sorry. That morning, he forgot about it. He gave up, according to him. He said he just began. He said, hey, Father, I'm so sorry. I have abandoned you. Is that, he just began to worship God. He began to pray. He began to pray. He began to worship. Just praying in tongues for hours. And his own was finished praying, then go and do what he wants to do that day. But this one, don't, at least he don't try. As he just prayed, finished, he said he wanted to leave the house. The voice of the Spirit spoke to him. He said, son, he said, go to the domestic wing of the airport tomorrow morning by 6 p.m. Go and stand by so-and-so door. He heard it very clear. Yeah. So the next morning he was there, 6 o'clock. At exactly 6, the governor came out of that door in mufti. Ah, you, where have you been? I've been looking for you since. 
Because when the spirit, you see, the spirit knows the activities of every man. He knows where they will be at every time. And he knows the most favorable time and opportunity for you to meet them. We are forgetting we cannot succeed without the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You will frustrate your husband for nothing. You will frustrate your wife for nothing. You will curse your uncle in your heart and have bitterness for nothing. Your uncle's money is your uncle's money. It's not your money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't mind that monk, a very wicked man. He's a very terrible man. Now, so they tell me for village, and so it be. Since he entered that place, not even the look person. Are you the one that gave him the position? Are you the one that put him there? You should be doing bitterness for nothing. Satan will just be playing with your head. There is a place of advantage, and it's the place of the Spirit. One word from the Holy Ghost can save you 12 months of torture and hardship. Are you hearing me? There are some of you now, the reason you are having bitterness and anger is because there's somebody you thought you should have known or met or you should have seen or should have helped you by now and the person has not helped, that's why you are unhappy. You're unhappy with church, you're happy with God, you're happy with the person, everything's just in the main, what, what's all this? You forget that your advantage is in the spirit. If you don't know how to flow with the Holy Ghost, and flow with his power, the things that should naturally come to you by free course will be running away from you. Not actually running, you will be the one running away from it. Am I making any sense? Come on, somebody say, by the Spirit. Say, by the Spirit and power. Your impact is in the Spirit and the power of God. Nothing else. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 5. Your impact as a minister of the new covenant, the minister of the spirit and power is by the Holy Spirit. That's why you're called ministers of the spirit. Minister of the spirit means you minister by the ability of the spirit and his power. Are you hearing me? You minister by what? By the spirit and his power. Demonstration of the spirit and power. First Thessalonians 1. Are you there? Verse 5. What does it say? It says for our gospel, our good news, the message we were given to preach did not come to you in word only. Are you paying attention? Did not come to you in word. Look at the number. Say words only has no effect. Say that. Say that now. It is what is backing your words that makes the difference. Do you know that? Eh? Your words without the effect or the influence of the spirit is useless. A guy who did a, a business in Abuja, did a business in Abuja, and for some strange reason he wasn't being paid. He keeps shuttling, 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 shuttling. They, they'll be posting me left, right, and center. So one day I went for a meeting where they prayed for him. As he was going back, something happened. As he sat in the plane, and a very old man was coming with a stick and was trying to sit down. So he got up from his seat and went to help the old man. 
just to help. And he made sure the man sat down, said, are you comfortable, Papa? He said, yes, I'm comfortable. He said, are you okay? He said, yes, I'm okay. And he left him. Then the man looked at him, said, young man, what do you do? He said, I'm a contractor, blah, blah, blah. This is what I do, this is what I do. Okay. He said, are you facing any challenge? Who put that thought in his mind? Was the Holy Spirit. So you I said, well, this thing is doing in Abuja. He wasn't expecting anything. This thing I'm doing in Abuja, they refused to pay me, blah, 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 blah. He said, eh. he said which parastator? He now mentioned it. The man now took, he told him, do you have any card? He now brought one piece of paper, a small card. The man now wrote one word called Baba and signed under it. He said, take it and go and give the person in charge. He said, they will help you piece of paper with ordinary signature with Baba. I'm sure if you write that anywhere, it doesn't mean. But this one, there was a difference. So he got to the same place where they usually post him, gave it to the secretary, said, this is from Baba. Said, Baba, you know Baba? Said, yeah, okay. Got up, went inside. As the secretary entered the office, the next few seconds, the manager ran out of the office. He said, who is the person that Baba sent here? The man says, me. You know Baba? He said, yes. You know him? He said, please come, come, come. That was the day they paid him what they were owing him. For our message did not come to you in word only. There was an influence. Paul said, the message we preached to you was not an ordinary message. The message came with the effect of the spirit and power. Look at what he said. He said, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in what? And in the Holy Ghost. Did you see that there? Our message came to you not in words only, but what? In power and in the Holy Ghost. In as much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Go to the next verse. What did he say? What did he say? He says, and you became followers of us. The impact of our ministry through the power and the spirit made you become followers of us and of the Lord, having received, that's what I want you to understand, having received the word in much affliction. Let me paint the picture for you. These guys were being persecuted because of their faith in God and because of embracing the gospel. Many of them lost their business. Many of them, family denied them, threw them away. They lost a lot of opportunity. But guess what? Even in the midst of the affliction, the Bible says they received the word of God with the joy of what? The Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost is in charge, the joy of God will be evident. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That means what was meant to be evil by the power of the Spirit will work God's will to pass in their life. Go to the next verse. He said, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Archer who believe. Go to the next verse. It says, from you, for from you the word 
of the Lord. The word of the Lord that was a product of the spirit and power has sounded forth. The impact of the spirit and power has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Archer, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not even need to say anything. Because when the spirit and the power is in place, you don't need to say much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't need to. That's why sometimes when you are talking too much, pull back. Because God and man can't talk at the same time. Are you hearing me? If you are the one talking, God will be quiet. Know when to speak and know when to shut up. Did you hear what I said? When, when you flow with the Spirit, you will understand that you don't talk all the time. There are times the Holy Ghost will make you talk. And when you talk, you're not talking as you. You are talking by the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's, that's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to be so fluent, so flowing with the Holy Ghost that we know when to speak and when to shut up. He said, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which your enemy will not be able to resist nor gainsay. He said, you shall not think of what you will say because the thing you will say, I will put it inside your mouth. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we were saved to depend on the Holy Ghost and his power. That's where our impact is. That's where he has called us to be and to function from. Say glory be to God. Come on, say glory be to God. Are you here? Paul attributed the impact of their ministry on the brethren in Thessalonians to the influence of the Holy Spirit. He attributed the impact, the impact, their impact on the brethren in Thessalonians. And you know what happened? The impact in Thessalonians began to spread through Europe. Spread through Europe and went to every place. And what the Spirit was doing was speaking. That's your testimony. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. Let me say this, and, and I'm going to start rounding up. Praise the name of the Lord. We're going to look at areas where Christ revealed and demonstrated the exceeding greatness of his power that he has given to us. This power that we have access to through the Holy Ghost. We're going to see areas where Jesus displayed them, demonstrated them. But, but, but let me say this to help you appreciate this. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Have you ever wondered why the Pharisees, the elders, the Sadducees, had issues with Jesus? Do you know why they had issues with Jesus? They, they didn't doubt the power of God. The Pharisees and the, the Jewish people didn't doubt the power of God. They had some level of understanding of power because they knew what God did under the old covenant. Are you hearing me? They knew God created the world. They knew that. They also know how God delivered them, their ancestors, from a bondage of, a, of 430 years through 10 plagues and how God led them through the wilderness under the time of Joshua and all the judges and all the prophets. They, they, they know God's power manifested. Listen, they also knew God could use people. Hello? 
Are you still with me? Because God used men like Abraham, who they attribute and call their father. Is that not true? They knew Abraham walked with God. They knew that. They knew God also used Noah. God used Jacob. God used Joseph. All right? God used all the, all the uh, patriots. He used them. Then even up to Moses, they, they, they understood that. But this is where they had a problem with. They didn't doubt the power of God. But this is where they were resisting. And that was where Jesus corrected them. The problem they had with Jesus was that they could not rub their mind around the power of God living inside man and flowing through man. That one, they will not take it. Did you hear what I said? Now, you know, Jesus is God. But Jesus came as the Son of God and Son of Man. Son of God means he was begotten of God. That means he was born of God. He came directly from the seed of God. Are you hearing me? The Son of God refers to his deity, the deity side as God. Then the Son of Man refers to his humanity because God became a man. Are you hearing me? Are you listening to what I say? Jesus is God in man form. God had to become a man. Why did he do that? Because he was about to use that coming to give birth to a new breed of people that will function differently from the old covenant. So the problem they had with Jesus was not the fact that power was there, but the way he operated, he attributed a oneness between him and God they just could not rub their head around. How can you say God is inside a man? Are you crazy? The God they are used to is in the tabernacle. The God they are used to is in the ark. The God they are used to is in the mountain that Moses used to go and see. And when that God shows up, thunder, lightning, earthquake will come. Everywhere will shake and they will say, go talk to him. Anything he tell you, we will do. We are okay where we are. Are you telling me this same great and terrible God is inside you? He said, let me tell you one of the blasphemy they had against him. I and my father are one. Are you with me? You know what that means? They say, how can you? Wait. No, maybe, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary became this one. Remember, he grew under Joseph for 30 years. All right? He didn't do anything until he was 30 years. It was 30 years he, got, he came out, got baptized, then went to the wilderness, fasted for 40 days, and began his ministry at the age of 30. He rounded up his ministry at the age of 30 plus. That was when he rounded up his ministry, about three and a half years. So for 30 years, Jesus lived as a carpenter. Most likely, he must have developed some biceps because of hammer, nailing, making bed, making chair. And not only that, he may have delivered some job to some of these Pharisees and Sadducees. Maybe he delivered chair, bed, or any furniture they wanted him to make because he was the son of the carpenter. That's what they called him. Everybody knew him. They knew his sister. Then this guy is now from the blue. Say he's the son of God. In John, they said, you have a devil. You must be possessed. You must be possessed. How can you claim that you and God is one? Are you okay? That was, a, you know why? But they didn't know that Christ 
was coming to reveal what the Bible called the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness is simply Christ in you, the hope of glory. They didn't know that God was about to shift his base from the tabernacle to dwelling inside men. So Jesus was given a foretaste of the kind of life you and I have been saved to live. Jesus was the first minister of the spirit and power. God becoming a man, functioning as a man, depending on the spirit and the power. What he did was for me and for you. That was their headache. They could not fathom that God could live inside. The Bible said, great is the mystery of godliness. First Timothy 3.16. He said, God was manifested in the flesh. The word of God became flesh. And what did he do? He dwelt among us. Look at your number and say, God lives inside you. That's why the mentality of flesh will always rebel against the idea that God lives inside you. You will fight it. Somebody say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say, I am the temple of God. See, see, some of you, even the way you are looking, you will know your mind will resist it. Because when you become God inside minded, brothers and sisters, hey, the threat of the devil will not make any difference for you. Even if Satan physically appears to you, it won't bother you. Because in your head, you cannot ever imagine Satan threatening God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? How many of you can imagine Satan threatening God? That he came again, God started shaking. That's impossible. Now, let me tell you this. That same God now lives inside you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, greater is he that is in me. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let, let me say this. Hear this. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not doubt God's power. They doubted the fact that God's power could flow through a man. That's why they were offended in Matthew 13. They were angry with Jesus. How dare you tell us you are, you are the son of God? What's wrong with you? Bible says we know his brothers and his sisters. They are among us. Who does he think he is? And the scripture says they were offended in him. I want to ask you a question. Are you offended with God because you are humanity minded? You are humanity controlled. You are so natural minded, natural inclined that you have no divinity mindset in your head. You are always looking at yourself from your humanity. Looking at yourself from the point of people. You don't see yourself through the way God sees you. You see yourself as you. When they say, who are you? You call your name and where you come from. You, you never describe yourself by your roots in Christ. You always describe yourself by your roots in men. My father's name is this. I am from Soso Aso village. We are like this. Hear me. Hear me. 
In Matthew 9, 8, you know one problem they had with Jesus? When the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Matthew 9, 8. The reason they marveled at Christ was not really not because they believed him. They were like, whoa, can power flow through men? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Can God's power flow through men? Can it flow like this? Can it flow like this? That was their problem. Let me show you another issue they had about Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 33 to 37. This was an issue they had. He said, now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know you. I know you. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. You, know, you remember in the Old Testament, they were not casting out demons. How many of you remember? Yeah? The phenomenon of casting out demons was not practiced in the Old Testament. I hope you know that. Because the name of Jesus had not been given. So demons were not being cast out under the Old Testament. Now, exorcising demons was an occultic practice that was they, they knew that because those who exorcise were people who do it by allegiance. They appealed to the demon. Okay, you gave him cancer. Leave the cancer, but you can give him HIV. So let it look like something has happened to him. I hope you know that's what native doctors do. They remove something that is disturbing you and they give you another one. When you take break for three months, you will come back and you will face another problem for six months. You become a permanent patient with them. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Because Satan cannot help you. Satan is not a deliverer. He's an afflictor. Jesus said about a woman, he said, ought this daughter of Sarah not to be loose, whom the devil has bound for how many years? 18 years. Satan doesn't, he doesn't believe in freedom. His job is to hold people bound. Christ's job is to lose them. Are you still with me? So they, they understand exorcism as an occultic practice. But here's Jesus speaking. Come out, be quiet. Come out of him. Watch this. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, if it was a common phenomenon, they would not have been surprised. I hope you know that. It was something people could easily do. They would not have been surprised. They would not have marveled. They would not have like, whoa, what is this? No. Now watch this. He says, in verse 36, then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding that there is a man who when he speaks to 
demon possessed, the demon leaves them and goes. And that became the story that was making the round. If it was our day, it would be on all reels, on all trends, social media, TikTok, everywhere, Instagram. Come and see a man that could speak to a demon and the demon will leave. But, but why was Jesus doing this? It was part of the process of what you and I are going to be enabled by the Holy Ghost to do as part of our responsibility as ministers of the Spirit and power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, that's where we are. How many demons have you casted out? How many sick have you healed? The power is there. But because of the way you are thinking, you've not allowed the power to flow. You're afraid. You're scared. You think it's only for pastors, only for posts in leadership, forgetting that we are all ministers of the spirit and of the power. The moment you begin to think that you need something special to be able to deal, you've imposed a limitation on the flow of God's power in your life. And that's what you must get rid of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing me? Remember the story of Smidrugos, what he woke up one day and he saw Satan in his house, sitting in one of his chair, rocking chair. I was making noise. If I to ask some of you here, if you woke up and you saw the devil standing by your bed, what will you do? How you will respond shows whether you are growing or you are ignorant. Because if you run, ah, it's a shame. It's a big shame. A, that, that means you're not growing. That means you're not growing. If you just dream and you see Satan standing with your crow, they say, my name is Satan. I have come for you. So what will you do? You know what we go for did? He said, oh, it's you. Hey, went back and slept. Why did you do that? Because he understands what you and I need to get. We are ministers of the spirit and of power. God has put his power inside you and inside me. Last scripture. Go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 verse 19 and 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. If the devil still threatens you as a believer, then you are, your threat level is very high. You know why? Because you are still ignorant. I've told you the threat is not Satan. That's why if Satan appears to you and he scares you, it just shows that you are ignorant. You are what? You are what? Yeah, that's what it means. Because if the devil appears, you know how I dealt with fear years ago. I used to have fear of dark places. You know some of those stupid horror movies. Some of it is not scary anymore. Hammer House of Horror. Remember those? When you watch certain horror movies, they produce some fear images in your mind when you're growing up. So even up to a point, ah, they don't. They dare not take light. You take light. You'll be struggling to run away from the room. And the process of running, you will kick something, you will give so on your leg, you will hurt something, or you will trip, you will trip and fall. And, and at the end of the day, the thing you are running for is not touching you until you now see light. That's what fear does. 
Do you know the fear is a coward? Eh? But you are a worse coward when you are afraid. That's why it makes a coward out of you. Then, as I began to grow, because I told you, the threat is not the devil. The threat is not fear. The threat is your ignorance. So one day I saw in the scripture that I've been raised and made to sit with Christ in the heavenly places, far above what? All principalities and power. And that everything has been put under his feet. And if I'm in Christ, what is under his feet is under my, my feet. When I understood that, there was a day they took light. I sat down in the middle of the room. I said, that thing that wants to come, come. I'm waiting for you. Five minutes, ten minutes. After a while, you know what I said? Nonsense. I just got up and walked. That was the end. Because Satan just found that I saw through his tricks. There are some of you where people say, I, in, a, you know, in this compound, and I saw a cat. He not changed it to a human being. I have never seen it in my life. And that's the truth. I have never seen it. Some people claim they are, but me. You see, there are some of you, Satan can afford to show you some Nollywood side effect, but he can't do it to me. The light I have seen cannot allow him to shine that darkness inside me or around me. Because it is what you know that will determine the light that speaks around your life. If after you have served God all these years, you are still afraid of the devil, that means you are not growing. You are not growing. You will just say, <laughs> my wife, I better call and say, what you Say, come and see you. I better pray, pray. Then you that is the man, will not be pushing your wife. Pray, are you praying? Pray, please, pray. Let me call pastor. Call who? Me. Ah, you're yeah, a disgrace. God has invested so much on you so you can become a testimony. And all it takes is just one. Some of you, what cockroach will do to you, you will not believe it. Cockroach, ordinary cockroach. Just press on top of your body. Jesus, Jesus, my enemy. Your threat is your ignorance. Rise up on your feet. Ephesians 3. What did he say? Verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness, the completeness of God. And one of them is in verse 20. Go to verse 20. One of the revelation of God's fullness, not to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundant, that is without limit, above all that we can ask or think, according to what? Where is the power working? So where is the power located? The power. The same power that created the world, the same power that God used to put everything in place, none lives on the inside of you. Same power. The power does not depreciate in quality. It's the same power. Lives in you. And you are now a minister of the spirit and that same power. Tell me what can threaten you. Lift up your hands and begin to talk to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.
therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.